But what I'm wanting to do, what we're desiring to do, is to give you a tool that you can have to where in conversations with people that you will come across, because whether we like it or not, we are designed to be relational beings, that those opportunities might present you the chance to go to someone and say, hey, I noticed that you've been asking some spiritual questions. I've noticed that you've been wondering a little bit more about is there a God? And if so, how do we know him, her, it, or they? What I'd love to do is I'd love to sit down with you, if you're willing, over the next couple of weeks and take you through this study. So what we wanted to do here was through sort of this series, preach the messages to you, but then also give the opportunity to study this a little bit more in depth on Wednesday evenings. Tracking back before we dive into today's message, we have essentially discovered a couple of things about the Bible. We talked about how God reveals himself to us and wants to be known. We've learned that over 2,600 times in the scripture, God is saying, hey, I want people to know who I am and what I'm about. We also discovered that when those individuals saw God revealing himself to them, they were inspired to write things down. Hey, this is good stuff. We need to get this down. We need to let other people know about it. And we discovered that in that inspiration, these individuals were carried along by the Holy Spirit to write things down accurately. And then the next big thing that we discovered was this. We recognized that the Bible is old. We're not going to not say it isn't. And then we also started to say, well, if it's old, how do we know that what was written down thousands of years ago is actually what we're reading today. And we talked about the telephone game. And we talked about trying to make it work and getting all the way through the congregation with a saying that I would say, and then all the way over to the sound booth, that we would then have that saying come forward and we'd see how accurate it is. And then jokingly but seriously, we said that I would probably be in the middle of the congregation back in my mischievous days just waiting for the person to come and give the message and then I would change it completely just because I wanted to. Now the importance of that is many people will think through and say, so if I'm going to give my life to something that was written so long ago, how do I trust that what was written is what I'm reading today. And we discovered how accurate the Bible is. We discovered that the Old Testament is 99% accurate. We discovered that the New Testament is 99.5% accurate. And those little percentages, the inaccuracies, the majority of them are either spelling errors, sometimes it may be a grammatical error, and really, when we look at what is in error in the scripture, it is extremely minimal to what was written before. Now, why am I laying that foundation? Well, if what was written before is accurate today, and it is the inspired word of God, and we recognize that over 40 authors, over a span of centuries, across a variety of different cultural contexts, all wrote about God and somehow, mysteriously, no, I'll say supernaturally, these writings are congruent and they speak to a God who is. That makes the Bible unique. I also mentioned that if we were to go to a library and say, we want to look for a book that has prophecies that were stated, prophecies that have occurred, prophecies that can be validated in history, and prophecies that can be validated scientifically, the librarian would come forward with only one book, and that is the Bible. The reason that I'm saying this is, when we're talking to people about our faith, we need to be equipped and able to show them, with humility, how unique the Bible really is. Why we with humility but confidence, can come forward and say, there is a God, his name is Jesus Christ, we are saved by grace through faith in him, and when we place our faith in him, we have eternal life. I want to show you the story. So we spent time in that, and then last week, we talked about knowing who God is. Now that we know that there is a God in scriptures, who is God? We discovered that he's triune. We discovered that he is three in one. He is Father. He is Son. He is Holy Spirit. 
We discovered that he's all-knowing, and that brings great confidence to us as well as peace in recognizing that when we come to God, we're not going to have him say, hey, I don't know, or I didn't get that memo, or that's not in my notes, or I can't help you there. But he knows everything, and that's comforting, but it's also convicting, isn't it? He knows everything. He knows the dark recesses of our soul. He knows our secret sins. But yet we also discovered that he's what? Just, he's slow to anger, he's loving, and he's a kind and gracious God. And all of those pieces are to drive us toward a relationship with him. And so this morning, after knowing a little bit more about who God is, the next thing we would say is, well, how should we respond to him? How should we respond to God? And to do that, I want to take a minute I want to talk to you about the best relationship that I have in my entire life, and that is with my wife, Kelly. She is awesome. I love spending time with her every Sunday from 9 to 10.30. But if 10.30 comes around and she's still talking, I need to get away because I need to get off to a football game. I want to make sure that I'm not missing things. But we have this great relationship. And it's really, really good from Sunday, 9 to 10.30. But other than that, I don't spend a lot of time. And I expect her to do everything for me. And if the relationship isn't good, it's her fault. You're laughing, aren't you? Right? Now, here, I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not, I'm not being legalistic because I know we're busy. I know you guys have a lot of things going on in your life. But my next question to you is, is, what if we're treating God that way? And I love my wife. I absolutely adore her. But I love God more than her. And if all I'm doing in my relational aspect with the Lord is giving him from Sunday 9 to 10.30, there is a way deeper more intimate opportunity that I can have with him throughout my living. Now, thank you for coming, okay? Church is great. I'm not saying it isn't. But can we examine our hearts for a minute? Is that how we are relating to a God who desires a deep and personal intimate relationship with us? We're giving him Sundays, taking off the box, and then after Sunday, we're forgetting about him, and then we're expecting him to do great things for us. Doesn't sound good to me, does it? So how are we to relate to him? How does he want us to relate to him? And so this morning, we're going to discover, again, not an exhaustive list, but some things that I think will encourage you, but also I pray will challenge you and equip you in your relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus. The question we're asking this morning is, now that we know what God is like, now that we know that he's triune, now that we know that he's holy, now that we know that he's just, now that we know that he's righteous, now that we know that he loves us, now that we know he's slow to anger, now that we know that he's forgiving, now that we know when we've placed our faith and trust in him, we have eternal life. We have all of these things. What do we do with that? What do we do with it? And so the question is, how should we respond to him? What are we asked to do? And one of the things before we even dive into this is I am amazed at how God is continually desiring a deep relationship with me, even when I want nothing to do with him. There are moments in my life, yes, even as a pastor, where I will be honest, God isn't first and foremost on my mind. And yet, God is always there. God is always loving. God is always wanting that deep relationship with you and I. And God is always ready to forgive. And God is always ready to forget. And God is always ready to give grace and mercy. And God is always there to listen to you. God is never too busy. God is never preoccupied. God is never concerned with other things than you. And as I think about that, and as I look in my relationship with him, I'm amazed that at any point in time, 
in the middle of the night when I wake up and I'm thinking through what's happening in the church, what God is doing, what God needs to do, areas that maybe I could grow in, areas maybe that I have struggled in, areas that maybe I've failed in. I can go to him and say, God, I need you. And the best part is, is when I, for lack of a better word, dial that phone in prayer, I don't get a busy signal. I don't get God is on the phone and he says, hey, call me back. I'm too busy to talk to you. He's there like a loving father who wants to hear my concerns and is answering them to bring glory and honor to his name. And when we lay those things in that context, and when we begin to recognize truly how much God loves and cares for each and every one of you and myself, it drives us, or should drive us, to a deeper desire to know him more, not in a legalistic or ritualistic way. And that's what we're speaking about this morning. So the first thing that I want to show you as we've asked this question, number one, is God desires for us to worship him. And that's foundational. There is a desire for us to worship him. Now you look at that and you say, well, that sounds kind of unilateral. Well, yes, it is. And the first thing I want to tell you is, as much as we have a relationship with God, we need to remember and recognize that he is Lord and we are not. That's so important. When we begin to realize that as we enter into a relationship with our Heavenly Father, when we speak to Jesus Christ, when we are embodied with the Holy Spirit after being saved, yes, we have a relationship. Yes, we can go to Him. Yes, it is relational. But we always must remember and recognize that He is Lord and we are not. He is the one who has laid the foundations of this world. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the one who sets the stars in motion. He is the one who keeps earth on its axis. He is the one who makes sure that the sun rises, sets, and falls. We do not. And so why I'm saying that is oftentimes in our world, what we do is we say, okay, God, I want all of the benefits, but I don't want any of the responsibility. Or I want all of the benefits, and I'll take a little bit of the responsibility, but you and I are on equal playing field. Or better yet, I'm here and you're here and you exist to serve me how I want, where I want, where I want it. And that can be dangerous because oftentimes in our life we have expectations of God and sometimes God says, no. And then what do we do? We get upset at him and yet God knows best. Has anybody ever had anything in their life that they've wanted that they haven't gotten? Has anybody gotten mad at God because you've wanted it and you haven't gotten it? Has anybody thrown a tantrum at God because you've wanted it and you haven't gotten it? Has anybody discovered that the reason God didn't, didn't give it to you is because he knew better? And actually why you didn't get it or maybe why you got something else is actually better than what you wanted? God knows best. And he desires for us to worship him. Worship is ascribing him honor and glory. Worship is giving him the credit, giving him the praise. And as much as I love praise and worship, okay, worship goes way beyond just singing songs to him on Sunday. Worshiping him is a continual aspect that we do or should do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How? Walking with him daily. Putting him first. Putting his desires first. Waking up in the morning and say, God, what do you want me to do with today? Now, we all have responsibilities. We might have jobs. We might have families. We might have things that we do. But the way to check this in worship is, when we wake up, do we say, I've got all of this to do. I'm going to get all of this done. And OPS, by the way, God, you better bless it. Or do we say, yes, I have these things. Yes, this needs to occur. But God, you're the one who has brought about this day. And help me to see what it is that you're doing and where my priorities lay. Not so that I can get things done, but so that I can bring glory and honor to your name. 
Friends, when we wake up, and yes, we have responsibilities, is our heart's desire to get things done to bring glory and honor to ourselves? Or is it to bring glory and honor to God's name? And how are we worshiping him? Not only here, but throughout our week. Dr. Robert Lewis simply sensed this, God wants a relationship with us. We saw that back when we were discovering how God reveals himself to us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to be with him. And that is why he has moved to disclose himself to us. Okay? Think through this for a minute. God hasn't moved to let us know who he is so that he can just stand back and have us just from a distance worship him. He hasn't come forward and said, look at how great I am. Look at all that I've done, but don't come close to me. He says, look at who I am. Look at what I've done because I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. I want to know your joys, your hurts, your pains, your struggles, your aspirations, your heart, and I want you to bring those things to me because I want to bless you. Caveat, bless you in bringing glory to him. Oftentimes we expect God to bless us because we want something. And again, God might say, to be honest with you, what you want is going to draw you further from me, not closer to me. And so another couple things that I want to show you is perhaps there's something out there that you want and you're wondering why you can't have it. Lovingly, maybe ask a question and say, God, is the reason I can't have this right now or ever is because it would take me further away from you rather than draw me closer to you. So God has a desire for us to worship him. But also, God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And this couldn't be more important. And this is something that we need to recognize. And this is also something that we should encourage individuals whom we might be speaking to God about to recognize. God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. What do we mean by that? It is one thing to say you have a relationship with God. And I'm putting that in quotes. Little g. It's a whole nother thing to say I have a relationship with the big G, the true God, and I worship him in spirit and in truth. What do we mean by that? Brothers and sisters in Christ, friends that are gathered here, when we come to Jesus, we have to recognize that the revelation that's been given by God is through the scriptures. And the scriptures are here as encouragement, challenge, conviction, and instruction for us on how we can draw close to God, but also how we should be living our lives. Not in a legalistic way, but in a real way. And so one of the things that we have to remember is this. That if we're wanting a relationship with God, but we're not wanting a relationship with the God who has revealed himself in scripture, we don't want a relationship with God. It's that simple. And I say that quite pointedly because if we're sitting here saying, God bless me, God do this, God give this to me, but I don't want anything to do with what's in here, lovingly I'm going to tell you, you don't want a relationship with the God who is. And so when we worship him, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I want to draw this out a little bit. John 4, verses 23 through 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Real fast right there, spirit little s, okay? It's not Holy Spirit, okay? Yes, we do have the Holy Spirit that indwells us. But the point here in spirit is with a heart or a desire to know. I'll explain that in just a minute. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I want to pause there for a minute. That's what the Father's after. That's what the Father is looking for. And so if God has revealed himself to you and you have a relationship with him, what God is after is that you will worship him with a heart or a desire to know the truth. 
And in knowing the truth, it will come through the scriptures. God is spirit and his worshipers. Okay? If you have your Bibles with you, if you'd like to mark in them, mark this next word. Might, kind of, 50-50, lease with an obligation to buy. What does it say? God is spirit and his worshipers must must worship in spirit and in truth. That's what God's after. And so lovingly, what I want to ask you this morning is examine your heart. Are we allowing the scriptures to dictate how we live? Or are we living and telling the scriptures what they need to say or not say according to how we want to live? When we read the scriptures which we all do, I pray, and they convict us when we read something and we're like, ooh, yeah, I need to ask God for forgiveness there. Are we repentant? Are we wanting God to mold and shape our hearts? Do we go to him and say, God, you know what? Forgive me, I'm wrong, or forgive me, I've sinned, or forgive me, I've not done this, or I've not done that? Or do we just gloss it over? Oh, well, yeah, I know that that's me, but man, you should look at that person over there. God's really working on them, not me. Do we take time to let God's word permeate our hearts? And in those moments when God's word speaks to us and it tells us, hey, this is an area where you need to grow in or hey, this is an area where our relationship is struggling and it could be better, do we change it? God bless Kelly because she deals with a lot with me. But in those moments where Kelly and I have a relationship and she comes to me and she says, you know, I need you to do this or you can relate to me better this way. If I just look at her and say, you know what, I don't want to, which there are times where I've stumbled, right? But if I look and I say, you know what, you're right. I'm wrong. Help me to change, okay? Whether it's her or me or whatever, and I take note of that, that's relational, and that's the same thing that we should be doing with God. Forgive me. Help me to grow. Help me to know. And the only way we're going to know that is with a heart to know God and reading his word. Interesting enough to kind of prove or, or move forward to this aspect of spirit being um, a harder desire, Dr. Robert Lewis says this, in spirit means from the heart. There is a desire or a want to. So let me ask you, just lovingly, okay? I don't need to see hands or anything like that, but do any of you have a desire or a want to go to God's word? Or is it just, you know what, I'm gonna kinda come on Sundays, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be legalistic, and I'm not trying to make anyone, per se, feel guilty. I'm just trying to ask a question. Is there a desire, a heart, to know more about God? And the next thing is, is, truth means we worship God as he is, not as we make or want him to be. We worship him accurately, as the scripture portrays him, not as we want him to be. And that could not be more important, because lovingly in today's world, what we're seeing in so many churches is that they're talking about God in this context of we know the truth, and then they say, you know what, the Bible's optional. Let me tell you about God, but the Bible's optional. Let me tell you about God, but you know what? This thing's kind of okay, but there's other stuff out there. And if we go back to what we learned earlier when we realize how accurate this is, how true it is, that God has revealed himself in a unique way, in a unique book, we should hold this with a high, incredibly high esteem. It is the word of God. And so lovingly in this, where is your foundation coming from? Because what I'll tell you is the spiritual self-help industry 
is a multi-billion dollar industry out there. 10 ways to a better this, eight ways to a better that, nine ways to this, and I've said it before, okay? How do people sell things? They come forward and you see this book, 10 ways to a better marriage, and everybody gets excited. And then somebody else comes out and says, guess what, I've discovered a secret. You don't have to do 10, I now have five ways to a better marriage. And everybody goes, oh, that's awesome. I don't need to do 10 things, I just need to do five. And you plug them in and you do it and you think it's all gonna happen. And you go one, two, three, and off you go and you make these steps and you're looking around and you're going, why is my marriage not better? And the whole reason is, is the reason your marriage isn't better is because you're not submitting yourself to your spouse in a aspect that Christ has revealed himself to you. When we realize the sacrificial love of Jesus, that's the foundation in one instance to a stronger marriage. And there's a whole bunch of other things that are out there. So God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And this next one is the important, and this is the one that really hits me. God wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. And it sounds so simple, doesn't it? God wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. And as I was thinking about that, and as I was praying about this, I have the following heart check. And I'm gonna put this up here, and what I wanna tell you is this. I'm looking at this as well. I am just as much in this following statement examining my life and saying, holy cow, is this really how I'm living it? And that's what I wanna ask you. As you examine your relationship with Jesus over the past year, would you say that you've enjoyed your relationship with him? Now, let me put a caveat to this, okay? I'm not saying that maybe your life has been easy. I'm not saying that maybe you've had everything go right. Maybe it's been a terrible year. Maybe you've gone through a ton of challenges. Maybe you've experienced a terrible loss. Maybe you're sitting there and you're going, my life right now is in ruins. But my question is, not your life, but your relationship with Jesus. Do you enjoy it? Do you get up and say, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am a child of the living king. He loves me. He knows who I am. Yes, life is hard. Yes, I'm going through something that's gut-wrenching. But I know that my heavenly father has made the promises that are there, that he holds me and cares for me, that he won't leave me or forsake me. And you know what? I enjoy the relationship that I have with Jesus. Or is a legalistic, ritualistic, got to get it done. Got to tick it off my box. I'll give another example. Man, I love my wife Kelly, right? <sighs> got to go relate to her for 15 minutes. Got to get it done. I got to tick it off the box. Okay, Kelly, it's really good to talk to you. Uh, yeah, let's see, you're amazing. Okay, got that one done. Thank you for all that you do, got that done. Gosh, only a minute in, I got another 15. Okay, I mean, case in point. Now, please hear me, I, I don't want anyone to feel guilty. But I'm just asking, where is your relationship with him? Do you enjoy it? Do you enjoy being a follower of Jesus? Do people look at you and see light in your eyes because you enjoy your relationship with him? One of the things that I want to encourage you in is this. Some of the most powerful testimonies of people that I've seen are individuals who are going through something absolutely gut-wrenching that would drive man to their knees or get them out of the game. And yet there is a joy in them that the world cannot give nor can it take it away. And that is Jesus. Do you enjoy your relationship with God? 
and I, I need to, like, I should just come and sit and say, okay, you know, get a 2.0 version of Trevor and let him keep preaching because I need to listen to this as much. Because there are moments in my life where I'm sitting there and I'm going, I, right? And then I look and I look back and I think about what God has done for me, what God is doing for me and you and the promises that we have because of him. And that in the end, no matter how this life plays out, no matter what trajectory we get on, no matter if we get everything we want, how we want and when we want, or we get nothing of what we want, never when we want, and anything that we desire, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the end game is we are all in his kingdom as sons and daughters with the living king, with full rights and privileges, where there is no more hurt, no more pain, no more sin, and guess what? We get to enjoy Jesus eternally. And so lovingly, if we don't enjoy it now, why would we enjoy it then? John 17, three says this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus whom you have sent. Now in this, I just want you to know that the capitalized is my emphasis, that's not scriptural. I've put that in there for emphasis. This is eternal life, that they may know you. We want eternal life, don't we? I don't know about anybody, I mean if you go to them and you say hey, you know, do you want to live eternally with God or do you want to live eternally apart from God? Prayerfully, most people would say, hey, I'll take the other. You know, I want the option. I want to live with God. But one of the things that we have to recognize is eternal life is knowing God. How do we know God? Through the scriptures, through time with him, through prayer, through rubbing shoulder to shoulder with other believers in Jesus Christ. That's how we know him. That's how we grow in him. That's how we have a relationship with him. Interestingly enough, Dr. Robert Lewis says this, the word know in the verse speaks of closeness or intimacy, okay? It's not just knowledge, okay? That's one thing that I want you to know. It's not just intellectual assent. And Kelly's been very good with this for me. There are times when I've been studying, there's times when I was doing my doctoral work where it was more intellectual, and I love that, that's important, but it wasn't heartfelt. And I was just kind of ticking the boxes. And Kelly would always kind of come back and she would say, as you're going through this, as much as you're studying, as much as you're learning, don't just pursue it for intellectual. Pursue it for relational. That's why Kelly is such a catch. To know God in a personal way is eternal life. And so lovingly, do you know God in a personal way? Or is he far off and distant? Is he someone that you just tick the box with? Is it someone that you just sit and look and go and say, I just want this, give me my hour or an hour and a half, and then I'm done. And here's what I want to encourage you in. The more that you say, God, I want to know you, the more you discover how amazing God truly is. He will never leave you or forsake you. The more you pursue him, the more you plumb the depths of this great God. The more you pursue him, you realize truly the depths of who God is. The more you pursue him, you realize all that you have. The more that you pursue him, the more you realize I've only scratched the surface. And yet here is a God who is the maker and creator of the heavens and the earth, the sustainer of all things, who wants a relationship with me and you. Eternal life is not just living forever. It's living intimately with God. And so lovingly, brothers and sisters in Christ, are you living intimately with God? relationally. Do you enjoy him? Do you want to know him? What are means and ways you could know him more? 
Now the next thing that I want to show you is this. God wants us to share our problems with him. Anybody have problems? Nobody? Okay, what are you doing? Because I, I want to know what your secret is. Anybody have problems? Do you know God wants you to share those with him? God delights when you share those with him. God, I'm struggling here. God, I'm struggling there. And here's what I want to encourage you in. Please know this, because one of the things that I want you to know is everybody in here has problems. No one here is perfect. Nobody has it all together. We all have problems. We all have needs. We all have areas where we're struggling. And God wants to know them. So number one, when you come to church, if you come to church, please don't think you have to have it all together. Please don't think that you have to come without any problems because the people in church are the people that don't have problems. No. We all have problems. And we all desperately need God. And God wants us to share our problems with him. He delights in that. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. We've probably heard it before, but it's so important for us to remember and recognize. Do not be anxious about anything. Anybody anxious about stuff? Okay. Lovingly, here's an encouragement to you. I'm anxious. I'm not telling you that there aren't times where I'm anxious. But how do I deal with things when I am anxious? I go to God in prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, God, I don't know about this. God, I'm struggling here. God, I think this is what I should do, but I don't know. God, I tried this, and it just doesn't seem to be happening. God, I don't have an idea here. God, I'm hurting there. Does that sound familiar to anybody out there? Help me. And God looks and says, I'm here. And I am. Do not be anxious in anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Real quick caveat. How many of us are thankful with God? I see some hand. Good. Praise God for it. There are times, honestly, where I've got to do better at that. There's times when I'm kind of more of just the request list, right? God, do this. God, do that. God, don't do this. God, make this happen. And there's times when I've got to go back and I've got to look and I say, holy cow, God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Or better yet, here's the kicker. Thank you for not answering what I wanted because now I see that had I gotten what I wanted, I would have made a mess of it. Thank you. Present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you watched individuals that have a peace that passes all understanding? Have you seen individuals that have that? I have. And what I'll tell you is this. Where are their hearts and minds? Not on the Super Bowl. Not on worldly events. Not on their own ability. They're on Christ Jesus. God wants us to share our problems with him. You can go to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and say, God, I'm hurting. Help me. And God will. And God wants. And God cares. The other thing that I want to share with you is this. God wants us to trust and seek counsel from him. He wants us to trust him and to seek counsel from him. That's what he desires. Probably you've heard this before, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. A couple quick things. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Sounds great, but here's my question. How can you trust him if you're not reading his word? Sorry, I don't want to get too legalistic. Sorry. But I'm, I'm like, how? How? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on his own understanding, except I'm not reading his word. I'm only listening to what the pastor says on Sundays. I love what I do, and I will do everything I can to encourage you in Jesus Christ, but I'm going to tell you right now, I am not it. 
this is it. And this is how you learn. And this is how you grow. And this is how you grow in your relationship with him and your trust in him. Not by me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. To trust God, you need to know God. And you need to know his promises and you need to know what he's done and what he promises to do for you. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Are we acknowledging him? God, I trust you, but I'm not going to acknowledge you here. Do this, but don't get involved there. And he will make your path straight. Can I just have a, a quick show of hands? Has anybody been in a situation where you had no idea what to do? Okay, look around real quick. Keep your hands up. Okay, number one, you're not alone. Keep your hands up. Okay? How many of you have gone to God and said, God, I trust you, I have no clue where to go and what to do? Now, having gone through it, keep your hands up. How many of you have seen that God took you through it and it was okay? Did anybody's hand go down? And if it did, it's fine. But, okay? Okay, just, I wish like, keep your hands up just for a second. <laughs> Proof positive. It works. It works. Okay, I'm not, I'm not just up here like doing stuff like a rah-rah shish like the Wizard of Oz, only to find out that I, you know, look good or it sounds good, but really behind it, it's just mechanics that aren't real. It works. And so one of the things that I want to encourage you in is when you find yourself in a situation where you don't know where to go or you don't know what to do or you don't know how it's going to play out and you're concerned and you're wondering, my word of encouragement to you is to trust in God with all your heart and lean not on your understanding and say, God, I need you and I'm acknowledging you and I trust that you are going to make my path straight. And here's the thing that I want to encourage you in. What if the path in its straightness is not straightness in the temporal world, but it's straightness to the eternal world, which is his kingdom. Have you ever thought about that? What if the path isn't straight here, but it's straight to him and his kingdom? Not a bad thing, is it? Because his kingdom is where we ultimately want to be. God also wants and delights when we make requests that bring glory to his name. How anybody is asking God for something right now? Can I ask another question? In what you're asking, have you asked, will this bring glory to your name? God wants and delights when we share requests that will bring glory to his name. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, famous passage of Jesus. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. God, I want a Ferrari today. Red, please. Is that going to bring glory to God's name? Maybe. I don't know. If it does, awesome. Praise God for it, right? But here's where I'm going with this. Is the request something where I look and I say, God, is this going to bring glory to you? Because this is what it's about. This is what I want to do for you. Is this going to be glory to your name? And here's better yet. Trevor, I'm sorry, but the red Ferrari isn't going to bring glory to your name. Are we okay with that? Okay, God. Or do we whine and complain? I want the red Ferrari. When we recognize that what we want, God is saying, that's not going to bring glory to me. And then do we go back and we say, you know what, God, you're right, because really my life is about bringing glory to you, not to myself. Dr. Robert Lewis says this, just as God has been willing to share himself with us, so we must be willing to share ourselves with him. Are you willing to share yourself with him? And better yet, in sharing yourself with him, what walls are you trying to keep up? What masks are you trying to put? What ways are you trying to clean yourself up before you go to God to make him think that you look better than you are, 
to make him think that when you do, he'll accept you more. You know what's awesome? We don't need the walls. We can come to him as we are. Broken, hurting, ashamed, afraid, whatever it might be. God says, I delight in you. Just as God has been willing to share himself with us, so we must be willing to share ourselves with him. A close relationship demands this mutual exchange from both parties. Here's what I want to encourage you in. If you feel distant from God, God is not the one who is distant, it is you. If you feel distant from God, God is not the one who is distant, it is you. And I'm not saying that, well, in some ways I'm, I'm saying it to convict, because sometimes we do distance ourselves. But other times in our lives as we walk with God, there is those moments, or sorry, there are those moments where we're looking and we're like, you know, I don't feel close to God. Anybody have that? Am I the only one? Here's what I want to promise you. God is still close to you, even though you don't feel it, even though it doesn't look like it. Because as we trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our understanding, we begin to recognize the promises of God, that he will never leave us nor forsake us, that he does know when we wake and when we rise. He knows every word on our tongue, on our lips, before we even say it. If God knows those things, he is always with us. And he is always there. And he will not leave you when we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Finally, the last thing that I want to encourage you in is this. God wants us to love and obey him. Here's what I want to encourage you in. Everybody love Jesus? Keep your hand up. Everybody love Jesus? Okay. It's okay if you don't. I mean, that's fine. I'm not, right? Do you? Are you obeying him? That's the caveat. How you show your love for Jesus Christ is your obedience to him and his word. So lovingly, and this I'm just as convicted, yes, I love Jesus. I will stand and I will raise my hand. I love Jesus. But the litmus test of my love for Jesus is my obedience, not my words. John 14, 15, and I'm so glad it's in the scriptures most days. (laughs) If you love me, you will obey my commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I love the Lord my God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. My neighbor, brothers and sisters in Christ, where we could make a huge impact in our world today is loving our neighbor as our self. And this is what really gets me. That's how I know I really love God. I want to leave you with this. The question we've asked is now that we know what God is like, how should we respond to him? We've seen multiple ways. Please recognize this is not an exhaustive list. This is a suggestive one. But what I want to leave you with is this, that God has revealed himself in the scriptures. He has brought himself out in a manner so that we can know him. But not from a distance, not far off. It's so that we can enter into a deep, abiding, personal, and intimate relationship with him. And that's what God wants with you. Here's what I want to encourage you in. 
This morning you might be convicted in something. You might be looking, you might be saying, man, whoa, I'm really struggling here. Does God even care about me? Does God even love me? Yes, because God is slow to anger. God is kind and abounding in love. But what I want to encourage you in, if there is that gut wrench in you, that might be the Holy Spirit just kind of pricking you and saying, hey, look here, look there. To convict, right? But then to draw closer. Um, it's interesting, and I, I, I hope I get this right. Um, Kelly has been working on a memory verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 10. Godly, it's with the kids. What is it again, real quick? Godly grief leads to repentance, right? Which brings about salvation. Think about that for a minute. Godly grief leads to repentance. So does anybody have grief out there? Perhaps it's designed by God. Perhaps it's to lead us to repentance, at turning away from or a drawing closer to, which leads to salvation. True salvation in Jesus Christ. And so with that, what I want to encourage you in is sometimes when we have problems in our life, maybe it's God producing godly grief, leading us to an opportunity to repent, to bring about greater salvation, or maybe salvation in itself. God has revealed himself in the scriptures so that we can enter into a deep, abiding, personal, and intimate relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everybody that is here. Thank you for their desire to come. Appreciate them taking time out of their busy schedule to do so. And Father, I pray that just as we discover how great and amazing you are, that it would encourage us, that it might challenge us, that it might convict us to draw closer to you. Father, just uh, as we go about our daily living, may we examine our hearts before you and say, Lord, are there areas in my life where I might need to change some things or do something different? Father, are there areas in my life where I'm wanting you to bless, but I'm not wanting to look to your word? Father, are there areas in my life where I've looked to your word and I don't like the answer, but now I realize I need to be obedient to it, trusting that you will lead, guide, and direct and that you know what's best for me and for my life. Father, am I looking at my life and really it's about having you bring me glory? And really what I've discovered today is I've got to reverse that. It's about me bringing glory and honor to you. But whatever it might be, help us to know that we can come to you in a deep, personal, and intimate relationship and you delight when we do. You're never too busy. You're never far away. But the joy is we can draw close to you. And when we do, we're molded and shaped more and more into the image of our Savior Jesus to be salt and light to a lost and hurting world. We pray these things in your name, dear Jesus. We ask it all by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, amen.